Down and down again. Oh. I got so high, left my frown in the wind. Oh. Hard, I tried, never try it again. Cause these niggas is lying again. Oh. I'm a black lion, I roll like a tire. Girl, in my dreams, I don't sleep, I don't oh, find her. Shit. If they sleep and they need a reminder, this is for niggas who think we minor. What's up, everybody? So, I'm 100% sure I will have already said this before, but essentially, I was gonna do like one last bang, right? So, I was gonna make one last big Monday show and. Um, then I was going to do like this wrap up of DC and stuff like that. And, and, um, I just said like, man, I don't want to do everything. Cause we legit have John Cena doing his one and only match of the year. And who knows what the, the end of the year will bring for the, for both companies. And, um, uh, then also, as a matter of fact, let me look this up. I don't know this. I'm actually, uh, you can't hold on one second. I think text message. So anyways, yeah, um, look this up real quick. So I think also Wrestle Kingdom is like my last weekend doing this show for the hiatus. Um, let me make sure. I'm definitely going to watch that. I don't know if I'm going to have time to record that, though. Like, that's... Let's see, looking at the calendar. January 4th. I don't think that's the date. It is a date. No, it's January 21st. Oh, so that's a, that's a while away. So now I won't be on every that weekend. That's cool. Anyways, um, I just didn't know how everything was going to go. So anyways, I decided just to say, hey, I have my top 11 women of the year, top 11 men of the year predictions, and top 11 stories of the year. I think that should be a show unto itself. So how I'm going to do this, and like I said, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've already announced it. But just in case you guys didn't listen to the past shows or whatever, um, this will be a standalone show. So this will be the first. So essentially, this will take place for the for the the, the, the match of the month. It'll be that Sunday. We will then do that Monday, and then we will end it with that Wednesday, and that will be the height. That's where we're going to hiatus. So it'll be broken down in those things. Um, plus, I don't know how long I'm going to go today. So I, I kind of felt like I needed to just be safe because if this goes for like an hour, then the rest of the show could probably go for another hour. I don't want to do a two-hour fucking show. So let's get right to it. And we're going to start with the... I decided, I decided on 11 because I realized this is... First of all, I think... What? This is one of the few times I have legitimately like ranked them in the order that I want them to be, which is hard, which is why I don't do it. Um, but I noticed that like, when you have a top 10 list, I guess whenever you have any kind of list, so always that one honorable mention you have. I said, fuck it. Let's just make 11 no honorable mentions. So even when I was like, starting writing, oh, honorable mentions, I was like, nope, top 11, that's it. So these are the top 11 women of the year for my take, and I give reasons for all of them and give you just like one or two highlights of their year, okay? Number 11. And also, and also I'll give you the reasons why they're ranked where they are. So like this, it's not just like, oh, this is the ones I enjoy watching. It's I enjoy watching this, but also if you were injured any part of the year, if you, you know, weren't on TV for a long period of time, that will affect you on my list, you know. So anyways, number 11, Thunder Rosa. So she came into this year. It was clear that the feud that was had to happen was her and Britt Baker. They ended up having a cage match. That was a hell of a war. It wasn't as good as their Lights Out match, but um, she ends up becoming the new AEW Women's Champion. And so she made the list for that. But outside of that, she didn't have many memorable moments. It was not a great year for Thunder Rosa once she won the AEW Women's Championship. I do appreciate the sandbagging shirt and her match with Tony Storm that was, I believe, on Forbidden Door. Um, I do appreciate that. Um, but to be real with you, she had one of the most lackluster women's runs of all time. But unfortunately... That's saying that's not saying much about the AEW Women's Championship. Um, she never actually lost it. She was uh, she vacated it, um, but also she's been injured since uh, what the end of July, so she won't be on TV for the rest of the year. So that dude, that's what essentially five months, six months that she's gone. So she missed half the year. So it, it affected her in my ranking. Um, but dude, it, it feels like. With AEW, and it's unfortunate. It feels like people, once they get those mid-card titles, this is, I know it's not a mid-card title, 
But once they reach that precipice, they just cool them off. You know, and it reminds me of Brian Danielson and uh, well, Daniel Bryan in uh, WWE after he won the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 30. They just they put him in a feud with Kane. Like of all people, why Kane? Just really, I know he got hurt after, but it's really fucking weird. And this felt weird too. And I, I do believe the Tony Storm feud, which Tony Storm was gonna win the AEW Women's Championship, but that was clear to me at least. That to me breathed some life into her title run. But in fairness to her, the booking just wasn't fair to her. And then she got injured. And then she got a 20-second segment, which Tony Khan said it wasn't going to draw anything, which was like, oh, I want to say that about my woman's champion. Um, but no, to each his own, I guess. So that's why she's number 11. It's just we missed out on a Thunder Rosa versus Tyre Valkyrie match. Like, it just, it's, it's injury, but like I said, she missed almost half the year. So, like, that's why she's number 11. But she made the list. Number 10 and number 9 are a tie. So you could put them in any order you want to, but I put them as a tie. So they, they, they're just there. Uh, that's Mandy Rose and Jay Cargill. Jay Cargill remains undefeated. And obviously she was going to lose that TBS Women's Championship, but uh, Chris Statlander got hurt. And honestly, she's just, I couldn't keep her off my list being just 120% fair and honest. I couldn't keep her off the list because she works hard. She's improved. Uh, her, uh, Tiffany Stratton have I think improved the most. Uh, the two, uh, the two women coming out, the major companies that have improved the most have been those two, and Jay Cargill. Just unfortunately, she doesn't have many people to work with at the TBS Championship level because, like, they, they keep the women's. And I will say this: they do keep that women's world title and that TBS Championship kind of away from each other. So it's not like it's like a you see the TBS champion fighting the WWE champion, I mean, AEW champion, or, like, or the Intercontinental champion fight. Like, they keep them away from each other. So she's not reached the ranks of a Britt Baker or a Thunder Rosa or any of those women yet. And it will be much different when she does. But legitimately, they're, they, they're kind of in a hard spot with her. Because she's beating everybody. I don't know who else can beat her. Like, I don't, and I mean, they could keep that championship on her until Chris Statlander comes back. And what they could do, instead of building up the feud, they could have her do an open challenge. And then whenever Statlander is ready to come back, she, she announces it. Because you guys got to remember, earlier this year, when Storm, Storm was, Tony Storm was getting booed after she beat Chris Statlander. And like, she was like, I, I like her too. You only have boomy guys, you know? Like, people like Chris Statlander. Um, and she, you should, she's really talented. Um, but like, they could do that. Like they could hold this thing off and she's like a surprise, uh, challenger Statlander is, and she just beats her for the championship, you know, but really her stories have been lackluster. The thing with Bow Wow will get her mainstream attention because she was on hot night, not hot night seven, uh, power one Oh three, which is the breakfast club. Like Jake Cargill definitely has that appeal. She looks badass. She is a badass, and she's and she's improved. Like, but when you put her against people like Mass and Rain and Nyla Rose, who stole the TBS championship, which I didn't even know was a thing until after I like was talking about it in the show, I was like, oh, I, I, it's it's stuff I don't care about. And I do think I think the TBS championship is 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 a good idea because that that title could be defended on TV a lot, which she does do a lot of title defenses. But I think also you need the right amount of challengers, and because of all the gimmicks that she has. You have to, at this point now, it's the Roman Reigns problem. At this point now, you have to have someone that can believably beat her for the championship. And it can't just be anybody, you know? And so, I'm, I, so in this regard, it's a kind of a good look that they have ROH. Because Athena turning heel, winning the ROH Women's Championship, now you can put her there and keep her away. Because Statlander, I think, is the only person that is legitimately believable that should beat her, you know, uh, going to Mandy Rose. And it's funny because I wrote this list two weeks ago or, or like, yeah, two weeks ago, technically as of this recording, uh, by the time you guys hear this, it'll be two weeks after this, but I wrote it then did, I did not know she would be fired because of, you no know, these, the, 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 the page she has up and whatever the fuck. Um, but she was going to be here no matter what they put everything into her for 413 days she was the second longest reigning women's champion of all time uh, in NXT history. She reinvented herself. She went from being this glam doll who was not a very good wrestler to her improving a lot 
and then heading up one of the most dominant factions in NXT history with her creating Toxic Attraction with Gigi Dolan and JC Jane, which it sucks for them because now they have a good thing going and now who knows where that leads them because um, they're both super talented. I've seen G- I've, I've actually never seen JC Jane by herself. I've seen Gigi Dolan by herself because Gigi Dolan was um, just being real. Her ass is ridiculous. It's, it's amazing. It's an amazing ass, right? So I remember the first time I seen her, it was um, it was on a, it was a YouTube video, and I, I was actually working for Rocky Mountain Pro at the time, and they were watching this match that happened with a different promotion, uh, in Colorado, and uh, they were like, "You should see this match. This chick has a fat ass, but she is talented as shit." So of course you say fat ass, I'm gonna watch, and I remember quickly. I want to say within maybe well not quickly, but maybe like a minute or two. It was just quick, quick I guess, because I'm a pervert. Um, completely realized. I was like, damn. They're like, what? You still looking at her? I said, no, this this chick is tight. And they were like, yeah, she's married to Darby Allen and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, really? And so that's what got me more invested in her. That's how I know she's a good worker. JC Jane's a good worker, too, and they actually work well together. So it kind of got fucked here. But Mandy Rose, it, well, dude, she had longer reign than Shayna Baszler. And Shayna Baszler never had a run consistent. Like, Shayna Baszler had two runs that consistent of the, 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 the days she has. This was one consecutive run over a year. She's also going to be in the history books as the last NXT UK Women's Champion, um, unless they bring that back up. But as right now, she did unify the titles. Um, so she had a hell of a year. You know, I, I couldn't put either one of them higher than the other one just because I found their matches to not be good and their storylines to, as far as like to what I'm used to women's wrestling now. I'm used to seeing these women beat the fuck out of each other. So I was kind of like, I was kind of underwhelmed with that, but they did improve. So they had to make this list. At the same time, I couldn't put them any higher. I couldn't put them any higher because the lackluster storylines they were in. So number eight, Siri. And I know a lot of you guys are not going to know who she is. So I'm not even going to like highlight much, but she just, she just had a hell of a year. And I couldn't put her higher because, not because of her visibility, uh, but because I just felt these other women just did a little bit more. Or in some, some cases, a lot more, you know. Uh, Miko Samoa had a hell of a run as an NXT UK Women's Champion. Actually, it was never pinned to lose her championship. I, I, I couldn't put her any higher because, one, she hasn't wrestled since. And, like, we don't know her status. So legitimately, she went into this year having great matches with Alba Fire and all those other one people, and then she lost the the, the the unification match, and I'm assuming it's because she's gonna not gonna move here, which good good for her, but like now you don't see her. So like the last four months, like there was nothing there, you know. So till I can't compare anything to or can't give you credit for doing nothing, you know. Number five, Becky Lynch. Now Becky Lynch came into this year as a heel. And she turned face as she got hurt in her match with Bianca Belair at SummerSlam. And this one was tough because I actually wanted to put her under Siri. I wanted to put her at number eight. But I felt like Becky Lynch had some just kick-ass matches. And even though I did not like Hill Becky Lynch, I felt like it was a 2001 version of Steve Austin where no one wanted this dude to be heel. And he's the only one that said, hey, I'm, I'm feeling... Not so good. I should be. Uh, I should be. A, I should be a heel, right? Um, I, I felt like this wasn't her choice. This was. This was everyone else's choice or Vince McMahon's choice, and she made the best of it. With what she had, um, but I felt like she deserved to be in that top five just due to the fact that, yeah, she was out for I think two months. Yeah, she was out for two months, but that that wasn't enough to take her down because she was. Women's champion, then she lost that, but she stayed relevant and stayed consistent. So, uh, but I couldn't put her any higher than this because the rest of the women I don't think even missed any time. Um, and number four, Jordan Grace. I know a lot of you guys don't watch Impact Wrestling. Jordan Grace, I feel like if you said this to me, I would not argue. I feel like Jordan Grace is a victim of her own success. When I say that, her and her husband both have, I think, the issue of, you could throw the analogy out there, I'm not saying it's fair, 
Not saying it's not. I'm just, just, this is what the stigma on both of them are. They're big fish in Little Pond. There's no reason Jordan Grace cannot or should not be wrestling Bianca Belair. Should not be wrestling Britt Baker. Should not be wrestling Jamie Harris. Should not be wrestling Becky Lynch. Those would be kick-ass matches. She had a bad-ass match with fucking Mickey James. Jordan Grace did. She's had bad-ass kick-ass matches all year long. Uh, she had a, a run with Impact Women's Championships, Impact titles. She's had a ton of success this year. But if you were to say that, I, and she, people have said it when she re-signed with Impact, people said she's scared. She's scared. And, and here's my thing: if you're being paid well, let's just say well to you is a million dollars a year. Don't know if that's her contract. None of my fucking business. But if you're being paid very well, and you're happy, you're treated well. Why would you leave? It's something I told uh, a, a, a meditation partner of mine. I said, people don't realize, or companies a lot of times don't realize, one offer can change the, tra- tra- the trajectory of your life. Easy for me to fucking say. Like, I don't care for Colorado's weather. It's cold 10 months of the year, fucking year. Fuck this, you know. Uh, that's why I'm moving next year. But they don't realize how, and I, told, I said this to one company. I said, when you make someone an offer, a life-changing offer, let's just throw out there that million dollars a year. Now you're stuck with that employee, and that employee's stuck with you. Because now that employee's making great money, they're happy, they're being treated well. You, meanwhile, have a great employee that you that you know you're taking care of, you know they're not going to leave you, unless they absolutely have no option but to leave you, right? But it's one of those things where I think that's just where she is in her life. It's just like they treat her well. She's constantly featured. You know, like, I don't think Emma would say, and she's a friend of the show, obviously, to, to Neil Dashwood. I, when you guys heard the interview, if not, go back in the fucking archives. She had nothing bad to say, but I, obviously she won at the time. She was a current Impact Women's Champion, Tag Team Champions. But, like, she said they treated her well, like, even off the air. Like, I'll just let you guys in behind the scenes a little bit. Um, a little bit of talking we did before we hit the air uh, record button. She's like, man, I, I have nothing bad to say about them. They treat me really well, actually. She's like, do I want other opportunities? Yeah, you know, but like, I've been treated really well here. I guarantee you, a big part of the reason she went back to WWE is one, Triple H is there, two, her boyfriend is there, and three, they probably paid her more than what Impact compared. That's just the reality of it, you know. Um, but why would she leave? Like, do do we know how we've seen how the women in excuse me AEW are treated? Not the best, as far as time goes. And WWE, they, they 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 do feature their women more, but who knows that they would know what to do with a woman that looks like Jordan Grace, a gorgeous creature, just with muscles on muscles on muscles. She could take. She is a woman China. God damn, that sounds bad. That sounds really bad. So no, wow, that's fucked up. I apologize. So that I, I didn't mean that. She is a wrestling China. China was never a wrestler. Damn, that came off really fucking bad. So I do apologize. I was not trying to be disrespectful. But that's what I meant. Like, I was going to know China was a fucking woman. I meant, like, China was never a wrestler, though. And she wasn't a good wrestler. Let's just be real. Like, I get she's passed on. But she wasn't a good wrestler. Jordan Grace is a woman wrestler just in China's body. So, um, it's one of those things where... I, I just don't think, I think, I don't know how, how companies would know what to do with her. And Impact has done what they need to do. They just treat her as a fucking woman wrestler. And I wonder if you would have, it's funny because as I'm recording this, I just seen Rhea Ripley wrestling to Zawa. I hate when WWE does shit like that. Because you're not going to have a woman on WWE television punching a woman. I mean, a man punching a woman. So why even do that? It's, it's a fucking waste of time. I can see him doing that to her. I just don't get it. You know, so. Anyways, moving on. Number three. Jamie Hader. Jamie Hader had a hell of a year. She is now the current AEW Women's Champion as of this recording. She went from being a sidekick. I remember when they first brought Jamie Hader back, and the 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 the, the very bad reaction she got from like it was like a no reaction at all. They are master with no reaction, and then she built and she just built this 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 following, and got over naturally. And people just want to see her away. And they're building. You can see that they're finally building to the the, the eventual split 
where Britt is going to turn on Jamie and want the women's championship. Jamie Hare will be Jamie Hare is a face now. She'll be a full blown face going into 2023. Um, but she's had a great year, and her and Tony Storm just r- ripped it up. And that's and honestly, that can be a feud they can go back to, and they can have like a best of three series or whatever, like like that, like the, the elite and their triangle. But it could be like one of those things where they, they just beat the hell out of each other for women's championship. That's going to be something special. Number two, Taya Valkyrie. Taya Valkyrie got released from as Frankie Monet last year, came into this year, went right back on the end of the scene, and she's been gold horrific. She has had gold. She's had matches in so many different companies. She's just been all over the place. One of my only regrets, not even a regret, was I saw her at WrestleCon this past year, and legitimately I had nothing for her to sign. I didn't want any, any more fucking two by four pictures. I want no more of that shit. And legitimately, I was just like, uh, but I want you to sign something. But I had no action figures of her. And the one action figure I saw, some dude was selling it for like $800. I was like, fuck all the way off. But she's had a hell of a year. Um, and so. Um, I was like, I couldn't not put her on this list because to me, she's the definition of, okay, I tried something new. It did not work out. And mind you, when she was in NXT, that was a Triple H led NXT when she was Frankie Monet and didn't, they did nothing with her. That was a Triple H led. So that wasn't on Vince, but now she's been back on the independent scene, just making a splash and, and being used the way I'm sure she wants to be used. So. And number one, Bianca Belair, I, I she's gonna go this. She's she came into this year looking for redemption after that 26 second loss to um, fucking Becky Lynch in 2021, and she has had a hell of a run with the women's championship. Um, I can't wait to see Hill Bianca again, but look here, she's having a great run. I don't know who should lose that. I think she loses that title to Rhea Ripley if they're able to hold. I have a feeling that Rhea Ripley is going to be saved for Beth Phoenix to, to beat her at WrestleMania. I hope not. I hope it's Rhea versus Bianca. But Bianca's had a hell of a run defeating every four horsewoman she could um, that was that was there. She's she's just been great. You know, and I couldn't think of anyone else to put number one. And honestly, as I was doing the list, I redid the list a couple times. Bianca was always number one. Like, I never had anyone else in that slot. You know, the men, I went back and forth between two people. But with Bianca, she, that, that was the easiest one. Her and Thunder Rose were the easiest, too. Because I put, the, I literally just had the bun right there. So I had Bianca, the top bun, uh, Thunder Rose at the bottom. But a hell of a run this year. I mean, look here. For someone who did not win the NXT Women's Championship and that called to the main roster, they, she cannot say they, they treated her wrong. Dude, she's only been on the main roster for three years. She's already main event to the WrestleMania. She had the arguably one of the best matches this year on the show on, on night one, and that was a night that was uh, stolen by having Steve Austin return to main event his last WrestleMania main event match. So... Great time, great great effort there. So that was awesome. And I'm actually now I'm in midstream of this. I'm thinking I'm gonna do something even even more special. I think I'm gonna do the top men and top women on a show, which will be just this. Do the prediction show and and top storylines show. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. Awesome. Anyway, sorry about that. I'll break all this down. I'll do a cold open and break all of it down. Anyways, um. And let's get to our top 11 men. Number 11, CM Punk. I could not keep Punk off this list. Punk came into this year in the middle of a blood feud with him and MJF. He was always meant to be not a part-time wrestler, but a um, a wrestler who was now on TV every week. So we go into this feud, and then the feud ends up turning into more of a MJF Wardlow punk view type of thing because Wardlow was getting really hot at the time and I couldn't put Wardlow on this list and by the way 
the elephant in the room that I know you, I know you, most of you guys think about is yes, Britt Baker did not make my top eleven women because she did nothing of note this year. Just, just get that thought the fucking way. But Warlow could make my list first. Like he was hot, and he was hot for all four months, and then they cooled him off. And that was not Warlow's Warlow's fault. That was Tony Khan's. Um, but Punk, I couldn't keep him off the list. Hot, then he had the feud and the match with uh, Hangman Adam Page, and then the rest of the year is just a, b- a big bunch of what ifs. Dude came in, won the title. All of a sudden, he's gonna face Tanahashi at fucking Forbidden Door. He injures himself on a fucking dive. Then all of a sudden, you, you have a month, month for two, what, two months he was off TV, and then all of a sudden he comes back, loses a squash match to uh, Moxley. Then regains it, then gets into some supposed air doing air quotes, you can't see me doing air quotes and doing air quotes, brawl, and now he's done. <laughs> like I, I couldn't keep him off the list. He had some memorable moments this year. I just could not keep him off the list, but I couldn't put him any higher than eleven. And I felt like it was too good for honorable mention. And I felt like I felt like the impact he had. On the AEW locker room, good and bad, was so strong this year alone that I was like, I, I can't do this. I can't take keep him off the list, you know. But he was definitely a last minute decision. Like I had someone else there. I actually had my number ten there, and um, I just had to move him up from eleven and put him on. So my number ten is Dax Harwood. Dax Harwood, obviously, the this was the year of FTR. And Dax Harwood made a concerted effort to do as many singles matches as he could this year. And the only people that slowed him down was, once again, Tony fucking Khan. That was the only people that slowed him down. But they, they came into this year. They were already the uh, AAA Tag Team Champions after they defeated the Lucha Bros. And they've been that for almost over a year now, a year, about five or six months. Um, they came in looking for AEW gold. All of a sudden, they go to... Um, Super Card of Honor, and they have one of what will be a classic trilogy of matches in 2022, and they completely took the life out of the room. I was there, I would know, at Super Card of Honor, and they still show in a dream match, air quotes, with them and the Briscoes, winning the RH World Tag Team Championships, and then they defeated the Young Bucks. And then they once again Tony Khan slowed him down. But then they were at these 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 one on one. Then Dax Harwood had a match with Cash in the tournament. They Dax won and Dax lost the the very next match to I think it was Adam Cole. And he's had a hell of a year, not just in the tag team ranks, but in the single ranks as well. I could not take I could not keep him off of either list. One you wouldn't think about the tag team list, but I couldn't keep him off the singles list either. And yeah, you might say, hey, someone else did did, did more. And that's cool. But to me, these lists are... It's easy to put Okada on the list. Okada will be on everyone's list all the fucking time. Let's put some new people on that motherfucker. Let's let's, let's, let's give other people their flowers. They Okada's about, Okada, in like three weeks or four weeks, is probably about to win back his 85th New Japan World Heavyweight Championship. Good for him. Let's give other people some fucking flowers. And that's what I want to do on my list. Let's give people flowers for for just having badass years, dude. You know, so Dax is my number 10. Number 9 will surprise some people, but it's MJF. Hell of a year here, but here's the thing. He was off for three fucking months in the middle of summertime. And it was all storyline. I get that. But you have MJF very rarely wrestles already. So he's a promo cutter, which I get. I appreciate that. He still feels special. He will feel all. He will always feel special, especially for you. And this is one thing. For as much as I've knocked Tony Khan on this episode, he has gotten everything with MJF correct this year. And in general, he should, MJF should not be wrestling every week. Why would someone as smug as MJF be wrestling every fucking week? He wouldn't be, right? So, and this is why I'm losing my voice. I'm being so animated here. But MJF should not be. But because he missed three months, because he barely wrestles, I couldn't put him any fucking higher. I actually had, so I, my first part of this, I had Dax number 11, MJF 10. Then I removed then I moved them. Then I said to myself, well, every time MJF wrestles, I feel like it's a banger. Uh, you know, but I'm like, 
but also he's just a promo killer too. So I'm like, all right, let me put him higher. But like he was, he's always in this bottom three, and he was and for me, he's gonna be there. But missing that three months also doesn't help because who knows what? And also, who knows what plans were ruined from the all out brawl out? So I had to keep him there. Number eight, our first WWE person. Look at that, Bobby Lashley. To me, Bobby Lashley, I remember I was putting this list together. I had one, no, I think one, I had one or two slots left. I think it was more, but I think it was like two. And I was like, who do I put on this thing? I started looking at people, started looking at people. I said, well, Bobby Lashley, outside the almost few, which they, they had to do because they, they, I guess Vince really sees something in Omos. I don't see that, but no, what the fuck do I know? I said, man, this dude, he's, he defeated, he started the year off defeating Brock Lesnar in not really a good match. He became WWE champion for a second time. Never actually lost the WWE championship. Then he had to go to WrestleMania to fight Omos. WrestleMania backlash to fight Omos. Then he moved forward, getting another U.S. championship run, which made the belt relevant. Lost the U.S. championship. Won the U.S. championship back. And he's just been on fire. I feel like he's been so consistent. And they've been booking him. I will say this. The last three years, since the start of COVID, they have booked Bobby Lashley very, very good. I don't know what triggered Vincent Mann to say, hey, have this big, black, talented dude that can do a lot of shit. Let's start booking him. I don't know what Vincent Mann was thinking, but the last three years, he's been booked great. And this year was no different. Outside the Omos stuff. I'm just, I wasn't going to enjoy it because I don't enjoy Omos. Right? And Omos and Braun Strowman had a pretty good match, surprisingly so. But like, I don't care for Omos. I'm just not a fan. But I also, also don't care for Braun Strowman. Um... But Bobby Lashley, I could not keep him off this list. He just didn't come to my mind at first. You know, but you look at the, the year he's had, he's had gold, he's been consistent. Um, even though he was injured, he still came back within a month. Like, he hasn't really missed any time. Now, what they do with him next, I don't know. But I'm assuming, I actually, as of this recording, it has not happened yet. But I'm assuming they're putting together, putting back, putting, putting back together the Herbis. I'm assuming that, you know. Number seven. Our first New Japan person out here, too. Jay White. Jay White has had himself a hell of a year winning the New Japan World Heavyweight Championship. Then defeating I mean, defeating Okada. Then going on to Forbidden Door. Defeating Adam Cole. Uh, who else was in that match? It was Adam Cole, Okada, and who was the other person? I don't remember. I don't remember who the other person was. Oh, it's Pangman and Page. Um, and so he, he he's had a hell of a run. I think it comes to an end in a month. Um, but honestly, whenever you like I said, beating Okada is still a big deal in, in New Japan's world. And the fact that he's he's done it, he's a winning record against him, he's just been the ultimate heel. I just don't I think sometimes when you have that tried and true, I think it's hard to, for me, to be excited when you know that belt's probably going to go back around the waist of Okada. And it's like, man, it's like, I want to see something different. I want to see more, you know? And so I, I sometimes I, I feel like that's just the thing that's kind of missing there with New Japan for me. Is they stay with their try. It's kind of, it reminds me of early WWF. That's why I didn't care for those big guys, dude. It was the same shit all the time. So that's why I was me, you know. I got sneezed, guys. I'm sorry. Sorry about that, guys. Um, <laughs> I was, like, struggling there. Like, man, well, I can fight this. I can fight this. And I, I couldn't fight it. Um, but as I was saying, that kind of the thing that gets... <sighs> that's kind of the thing that sucks about New Japan. And that's just sometimes why I stay away from it. And then I get back into it. But... It just feels like early WWF because they stay so close to their tried and true. And I get it. I do. I just... For me, it just... I'd much rather watch something and not be uh, forgetful. And not be uh, resentful, excuse me. So, anyways, number six. Back to AEW. Hangman Adam Page, who came into this year with a underrated, not underwhelming, underrated AEW World Heavyweight Championship run. One that I will appreciate, but one that will be, because it wasn't booked as the top program, and it's kind of hard to take him versus Lance Archer as a top program when you have MJF and Punk on like killing it. 
and doing the things they were doing. Um, but to me, it was an under, um, it was a underrated title run. Um, he's then had hell. He's had some bangers with the elite, uh, um, with him and Dark Order and the elite at uh, All Out for the Six Man Tag Team Championships. He had a match with uh, John Moxley that was good until he got concussed. He's come back. He's clear that those two are gonna be fighting for a while. Um, and then Punk had a great match. Um, I just what keeps me from putting him higher on this list is the fact that he felt directionless after easy for me to say again after he lost the world title. And even at some points in time towards the end, he felt like he was losing some direction. So that's why I couldn't put him higher than the list. Number seven, excuse me, number five. Ugh. Seth Rollins. Rollins has had himself a hell of a year. He is officially a babyface now. The fans have turned him babyface. Him and his obnoxious laughing clothes are officially a babyface again. He has re- reinvented himself. He has won. The, he won his first title in four years or five years, excuse me, winning the U.S. title for a quick, quick run. Um, he's had bangers with Matt Riddle. He's had bangers with who else? He had bangers with this year. Um, what was his name? His WrestleMania match, Cody Rhodes. The feud with him and Cody was fantastic. Um, and and in my effect, just a, more of a peek behind the curtain. Cody Rhodes was going to be my honorable mention, but I said I'm not doing honorable mentions. But no, Seth Rollins had a hell of a year, and um, so yeah, but I, I couldn't put him any higher because, dude, like like. You still lost to a one-armed man, <laughs> and but you had a hell of a year. But you lost to a one-armed man, which took two people to have that fucking match and three arms. That's which is amazing. But you lost that, and then you then the stuff with you and Matt Riddle was cool. But I also feel like at certain points, it's for, at certain points I feel like you can't put people higher just because sometimes. They don't either they don't wrestle enough or they don't have enough. I'm gonna use a term mayor that's to be funny. They don't have enough five star matches, air quotes. They don't have enough of those matches that gets them over that hump. But he did have a five star match in that hell in a cell, which was a hell of a feud. Uh number four, Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay is one of those guys that is just special. He's special, he's talented, he's awesome. Um He's had gold. He was he was a Rev Pro champion going into this year. He lost the finals of, of the G1 Climax to Okada. Uh, he's had the United States Championship from uh, New Japan. He's been all over the place. He's been on AEW television. He had a banger with. Fu- oh, oh, it seems like all of his matches have been pr- universally praised as bangers. Him and Orange Cassidy, I, I think, had the best match of the night um, at Forbidden Door. Um, him and Kenny Omega were picking on each other all year. It was clear what they were going for once Omega came back. And that was for him to have a match. And now you're going to have an AEW contracted wrestler challenging for a New Japan heavyweight championship in the U.S. title. You're going to have a WWE contracted wrestler defending a New Japan championship at New Japan Wrestle Kingdom. Like, the only thing I say is, and I, once again, I won't be on the air when this match happens, but Osprey needs to win that match. I don't know what deal they've come up with. I don't know how this is going to happen, but Osprey needs to win. That is a defining match. That will be a match to your candidate, and it's only going to be 17 days into the fucking new year, which is amazing. But Will Osprey's had himself a hell of a year. I have no reason to see him not... Um, having a, a, another year. And you guys also got to remember, he had a very, very short run with the New Japan Heavyweight Championship. He got hurt. They stripped him of it immediately. And that was part of his gripe, was Moxley was like the U.S. champion for two years, and, and he defended the title when he could. But like at the end of the day, he went like a year without defending that, t- that title. And he said they didn't strip him, but they stripped him. So, like, he never actually lost the, the world championship, you know? So, that's something to keep in mind as well. Number three, Josh Alexander, the Impact World Champion. Dude, he's had, he's had a hell of a year. 
If you don't watch Impact, I, that's fine. You should be watching his matches, though. He's had a hell of a year. He came into this year after he was a world champion in 2021, got screwed over by Moose. Moose ended up winning the Impact World Championship. He ended up getting his revenge on Moose, getting his second run with that Impact title because his first run, first run lasted all of, like, two, I think, between two and five minutes. And he's been champion ever since, just knocking out banger after banger after banger. A great representative for... Um, Impact, he even said, or he said, hey, this the reason why I did not sign with AEW is because I can tell they weren't going to use me right. He says Impact, and, and Impact, in fairness, have used him correctly. They've used him well, and he's represented them well. And so, to me, I could not keep him out of the top three because of that. I, the other two guys just meant more to their companies, and they were more important, just being real, uh, for to top two companies. And that, that's not to be disrespectful. Uh, but he does mean he is to impact what these two are to their companies too. But he's a very but, but he's a very important piece of it. Just to be clear, you know. Um, number two, and this, this between these two people, I was haggling, but I couldn't I couldn't keep this guy number one because he didn't he is the biggest star on the, in the company. And some people would say wrestling. And that's fine. That's your personal opinion. But he didn't put a company on his back over and over and over and over and over again like the first guy did. Number two is Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is the man. Roman Reigns is the tribal chief. Roman Reigns is WWE. But I just heard a fun fact. He hasn't wrestled on fucking SmackDown since his match with Matt Riddle on June 17th. The reason why I know that date is because I met Matt Riddle June 18th. <laughs> I got you. I got Matt Riddle's autograph the very next fucking day, and no, excuse me, June nineteenth. I got the two days later. I got Seth Rollins' uh, uh, autograph the same day. That's how I know the date of that fucking shit. Here's my thing. He's very important. He needs to be special. But he became a part-time wrestler this year. Came into this year, DQ against Seth Rollins. Very underwhelming. WrestleMania main event, underwhelming in a unification match. Under-fucking-whelming. Then he doesn't defend the title until June 17th against Matt Riddle. Great match on SmackDown. Go back and watch it. Then he doesn't defend the title until SummerSlam. Great match against Brock Lesnar, last man standing. Great match against Drew McIntyre. When we got Roman Reigns, we got the very best of Roman Reigns. We didn't get enough of it for him to be number one. I, I had to put him number two because the Tribal tree stuff and the fact that he has not been pinned in three years is too significant in that company's lore to ignore. This guy has hit Bruno San Martino levels. Things that The Rock have never hit. John Cena have never hit. Steve Austin have never hit. Hogan. Hogan and Bruno San Martino are the two people that have probably hit those the most. Not being pinned. You can put Piper in that category, but Piper was never the world heavyweight champion. Piper went, I think, what, 15 fucking years without being pinned? And then that guy who pinned him was Brett the fucking Hitman Hart. That's never going to happen again in wrestling. But the, the bottom line is, this guy is WWE. They rewarded him with a nice fat contract. But it was a part-time contract. And I had him at number one. I said to myself, this list is about giving flowers, about giving respect. And I would not be doing this list respect. And the next person who you guys know who it is, the respect it deserves by putting him number one when he was a part-time talent at best. But he deserves to be number two. I was hesitant. Here's my thing. As I just said about Justin Alexander, he is impact. It's him, dude. Without his bangers this year, I don't imagine they could cut the title on Moose. That's cool, and I like Moose, but Moose wasn't gonna bang out these this many matches, in my opinion. So he was important to Impact, but to me, the markability of Roman Reigns is what makes him so important. The fact that he knows the WWE model and knows how to promote that is super important. But the fact of the matter is he. He is number two to number one, which is John effing Moxley. John Moxley came into this year, 
feuding with Brian Danielson. Then we had the surprise appearance of William Regal and the formation of the Blackpool Combat Club. And from there, John Moxley took off. John Moxley has always been very well protected in WWE and in AEW. I don't care what anyone says, he's been a warrior and he's been very well protected. But he's been more, not more so protected than he hasn't been in AEW. And then we get to what the original plans were. He was supposed to be in a tag team match, trios match, with Eddie Kingston at Forbidden Door. Punk gets hurt, then all of a sudden plans have to change. And those plans include John Moxley facing Tanahashi, which has been his dream match. He had been calling Tanahashi out since he left WWE. And then we found out later on, Tony Khan had blocked it several times, which didn't make John Moxley too happy, as he said on his own wife's podcast. But he finally got the match. Not only did he get the match, he got the match for the interim AEW Heavyweight Championship. A championship that CM Punk wanted to be stripped of, Tony Khan would not hear of it. We go for Ben Dory, he has a great match. With Tanahashi. Now this kicks off the summer of Moxley. He alone has defended the AEW Heavyweight Championship more than anyone ever. And I'm pretty sure that record will stand for a very long time. Because every match he had was a championship eliminator match. It was the title was on the line. Jericho, whoever the fuck it was. He was defending the title against, uh, I'm going to be respectful, of um, mid level characters bleeding and giving them his all meanwhile he was still the gcw heavyweight champion during this whole run he just lost the gcw championship i believe in october and that was by a, sh- a chicanery and uh, nefarious means um but it was the summer of moxley then all of a sudden we have this thing this moment where punk comes back makes a save and Moxley just bumps him and walks away. The very next week, they get into it, and Moxley says, we're not waiting until all out. We're, we're doing it next week. Which I remember watching and saying, next week? What? What? What the fuck is happening right now? And I remember that week. It was the mo- my most anticipated week of this year of wrestling. I didn't know what the fuck was going to happen, and I don't care what anyone says. We know Now, in hindsight, we know how things ended up. So... Whether that was good for you, bad for you, whatever the fuck, right? But at the end of the day, I don't care who you are, that week was full of anticipation of what was going to happen. I remember getting, I, that was the week I got the most messages on my Instagram. What, tell me what's, what do you think, what do you think? I, I kept telling everybody, wait for the show, wait for the show, wait for the show. You gotta wait for the show on Monday. Wait for the show, wait for the show, wait for the show. And I, I was most, for me, that was the most, I just didn't know. And then we seen what they did. Where he legitimately just squashed CM Punk. It was like, holy fuck, I didn't see that coming. To see Punk be willing to be squashed by Moxley. One, that's, hum- that's, that's some humble shit. And <laughs> later on, like that, we, we know what happened later on. But that was some humbling shit to see. And really good shit. And to see him become a because i don't care i don't I, and once again i never understood the interim thing because like if you're saying you're interim but you means you're not world champion but you have a belt and that's why i never understood and i even asked someone this who was a boxing uh, connoisseur i was like but here's my here's my thing because in boxing don't know if you guys know this but when they have those heavyweight championship belts they have to pay the wbc for those belts it's like a tax. It's like what the NWA used to be, where Ric Flair and them would put down a $2,000 deposit or whatever, and then they'll get it back when they lose the belt. That's essentially what these belts are. So I'm like, these, do these reigns not count? And the person that said this, mind you, this guy is a boxing kind of sore. He knows the history of boxing back to the 19 fucking 10s. Like he, me and him, him, me and him have been in conversations. It was, it was a one-way conversation, I guess, where he's just going on and on and on and i'm like what the fuck i'm like okay cool i'm listening i don't get it you know but okay cool right he said here's here's his answer i don't know (laughs) so this entire time like okay so he has to be a two-time heavyweight champion that's just what it is but i guess how it works air quotes air quotes can do see me doing air quotes again it makes you a linear champion like how what they did was they backdated 
to make Tony Storm official AEW Women's Champion. So would the interim tag will be taken off. So you're still technically you're a champion, but you're the interim champion. So it's one of those things where it's kind of like an asterisk, even though it shouldn't be an asterisk because you have the title. So he became a two-time AEW World Champion, first person to ever do that. He then blanks Punk, boom. Then he goes on all out, loses. Cool. That's the summer of Moxley. It's now Punk's turn to then lose to MJF. The all-out brawl-out happens. All of a sudden, they then have to put the, the onus back on John Moxley, who then cuts the one of the best promos of the year, where he shows that, hey, this is what it's about. I was supposed to be on vacation, which was a work, not a shoot. And he says, but you want me here? I'm here to win the AEW World Championship. You then put him against Brian Danielson in the finals of Grand Slam. He wins and becomes the most decorated champion in AEW history. A three-time, the first ever three-time AEW champion. A record that I think will be held for a very, very, very long time. Now, I will say this. Let's say in two years, if we have another wrestling ball and tiles are switching hands like, you no, know, mama's pancakes, that record will be broken very quickly. I just don't see that happening. I don't see someone getting that world heavyweight. They've been very protective of that world title. There's only been six champions. Jericho, Moxley, Omega, Hangman, Punk, MJF. Only six champions. Only two repeat champions. Punk has two reigns, no defenses. Moxley has three championship reigns. Who knows how many defenses? That reign, that that he is the most he is the most decorated guy. He is the the captain of the ship, and he re-upped with them. And Tony Khan, I've given him a lot. A lot this is the most flack I've given him all year. But re-signing Jericho and re-signing Moxley was was important to the future of this brand. It was too important for him to not do it. But this is why I had to put John Moxley number one. Too important to this company. Too important. And yeah, he probably lost some independent dates. I'm sure he's not happy about it. But I'm pretty sure he probably put something in the contract that, that, hey, you can't be blocking these fucking dream matches of mine anymore. You can't be doing that. I'm pretty sure he put that in his contract as well. But this was the summer of Moxley. He had banger after banger. He He's just been super reliable. And that's reliable. He's put them. He's put that company on his back. He's done everything the right way. So I couldn't take. I could. I couldn't. I could say I switched Moxley and Reigns back and forth, back and forth. But I could not, in good conscience, make Reigns number one. Man, when Moxley did what he did, too important to wrestling. Too important to AEW. So um, I'm gonna stop talking now. I think I'm gonna lose my voice. So I will come up with the structure. I will tell you guys how I'm gonna do it. And we'll go from there. But this was the top 11 women of wrestling for 2022. Top 11 men of wrestling in 2022. I'll talk to you guys another day. So chemical. I see things a little differently. I'm out.